Hey folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple of months, you've heard all about the GameTime app and how it can save you some serious cash on last-minute tickets to sports, concerts, all types of shows. The crazy thing about all of this is just how easy it is. It's a quick download from the Apple Store or the Play Store. Uh, it's just two taps to go from looking for the ticket that you want to purchasing it, moving on with your day, knowing that you got such a great deal on your tickets. Um, so... It's quick, simple, easy to use all of the things you want. Well, now GameTime is hooking you up for the holidays with a $10 credit. Here's what to do. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store. Click on My Tickets section of the app. Create an account. Then, under the Billing section, redeem the code THEATHLETIC. Once again, that's THEATHLETIC for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money, people credit is only available to the first thousand people who redeem the code and it expires at the end of the year which is obviously december 31st 2019 so make your moves quick and score last minute tickets Hello and welcome to a frigid December edition of the Boarding Pass with Ken Weeb and Murata Tesh of The Athletic. We're happy to have you here listening. Uh, today we're going to deep dive into a very personal, open and introspective interview that the captain, Blake Wheeler, had with The Athletic that follows up on so many themes and storylines of this season, Winnipeg's impressive place in the standings, but it all comes from a personal transformation that started for Blake Wheeler immediately following Winnipeg's six-game exit at the hand of the St. Louis Blues last season. We've got some Brian Little news to share with you folks as well. We can talk a little bit about Nick Ehlers dropping the mitts and suddenly becoming a, a pugilist across the NHL right now. I don't know that he's intimidating too, too many people, but he's making some huge strides in his career. Uh, we've got the Jets surprising everybody with their 19-10-2 record, sitting currently third place in the Western Conference near the top of the league table. Uh, this is Murata Tesh. We've got Ken Weeb in Detroit today. Ken, how are you today? I'm doing excellent, Murat. Thank you. And yourself? Uh, doing quite well. Uh, the air hurts my face when I go outside, <laughs> but I have switched to the nice winter coat. I'd like to thank Twitter for the advice on that. Um, Ken, you were in the scrums today in Detroit as Winnipeg gets set for the second half of this back-to-back, -back, and we got a little bit of Brian Little news, eh? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I asked uh, Paul Maurice. I was a little bit curious. I mean, we've seen uh, Brian poking his head around the rink or leaving the rink when reporters have been leaving or going into the room uh, for post-game interviews. And uh, Paul just briefly uh, told us that uh, Brian's still in kind of a holding pattern, if you will, doing a little bit of light exercise, but uh, they still need some of the swelling to go down uh, before they decide if uh, surgery is required, uh, I believe, to further repair the uh, perforated eardrum. So, uh, to me, that all that suggested was that it's going to be uh, still a little bit of, I mean, still a considerable amount of time. I don't think any a return would be imminent, and uh, I would think we would still consider him under the uh, out indefinitely clause. I mean, that that that's not to say there's been a setback or anything of that regard, but um, it just means that it's still going to take a little bit more time, which is uh, completely natural when you consider a, a slap shot of uh, close to 100 miles an hour hitting someone. Uh, directly in the ear so 
I think the Jets are still in a holding pattern, I guess, in terms of determining how long he's going to be out. And, um, I mean, from there, the Jets will continue to try to uh, move forward, uh, I mean, without him at least temporarily. Yeah, it's such an interesting look for Winnipeg. It's wait and see, wait and see. And that applies to a huge part of the traditional leadership group of the Winnipeg Jets, right? I mean, you've got Dustin Bufflin still absent and uh, committees not necessarily meeting in an awful hurry to sort out his future. Brian Little out indefinitely. Um, How about Brian Little's attitude the day after getting hit in the head with that puck? Uh, Nick Ehlers was clearly shaken up by it, but Little made a point of texting and communicating with Ehlers saying, hey, you know, I don't know what I was doing skating through that part of the corner anyway. And in the midst of all of this, he's looking after his teammate who he knows is rattled by it as well. Um, That, I I think, says a lot about Little uh, as a person. And uh, Nick Ehlers, the man who took that shot, you have a terrific feature on him uh, about how he's got the shooter's mentality in a more productive and positive way. Lately, we've seen him kind of play tough guy. What do you make of Nick Ehlers <laughs> dropping the gloves? Uh, I prefer, I think I prefer Nick Ehlers, the, uh, the uh, sniper, the skater, the passer. Uh, you know, again, there's a, there's a fine line here. I think uh, the fact, there's a fine line between courage and maybe you know, t- taking a quick breath, uh, maybe the turning the other cheek in that case. Uh, all the things you appreciate about Ehlers in that situation are obvious. A, the fact that he is not scared of Ryan Getzlaff, who is significantly uh, more experienced in the art of dropping the mitts. Uh, I love the exchange. Uh, I think that anyone who watched uh, either either in, in person or in, <laughs> since that time and saw the replay, the look on... Getzlaff's face when Ehlers first asked him to go (laughs) he gave him that sideways look and he's like you serious are you serious right now uh I mean (laughs) classic classic Ehlers I mean yes a lot of players uh loved it made fun of it joked about it but I mean at the end of the day as Paul Maurice said I mean uh don't do it again uh there are there are strings attached to those gloves uh, he he doesn't he doesn't want Ehlers dropping the gloves unless there is absolutely zero choice and again there's almost always a choice when it comes to that but again you appreciate the fact that he's willing to do it and uh, you understand when Maurice says he's, you know you don't think of Nikolai Ehlers as a guy who uh, you know tough guy is not a word that you would attach to him <laughs> but he, he's tougher than you think yeah, uh, and you that. know honestly if he connects with that uppercut. Uh, we're either talking about one of two things. You've either uh, you've either KO'd unexpectedly KO'd your opponent, or you've made him so much angrier that he all he wants to do is beat your brains in. So <laughs> uh, one of those two options, uh, one of those two things would have probably been uh, been next in line. But uh, I mean, you got to love the way that Ehlers is playing. And what stood out to me, you know, all of the jokes aside, and. And Ehlers saying, you know, he's in my weight class, right? And all those things are are classic. But the fact that, A, uh, he was willing to stand up for himself, and B, <laughs> that, uh, I mean, he just, I love the fact that he was trying to get himself going. I mean, I understand that some people think that that is an archaic uh, viewpoint in life. But in some games, if you've played at any level, uh, if you can't get the things that you do uh, with excellence correctly, uh, sometimes you seek alternatives. And whether that be throwing a big hit, uh, getting into a little bit of an exchange, 
uh, after the whistle or something like that, or, you know, <laughs> the nuclear option when you drop the gloves. I mean, I, I think the fact that he was disappointed enough in his game to try to get do something to spark himself after uh, not enjoying a couple of hacks going his way, I think, uh, I mean, I think that was good in a way, but I, I would have preferred that he had just shown the big man that he didn't like he didn't appreciate the stick work and they could have gone to the probably gone to the gone to the penalty box and and not laughed about it but uh he could have put him on notice without maybe risking further injury and and that's again anytime anybody drops the gloves it has the potential for an injury and both teams do not want to be without those players for an extended period of time uh, and I'm not talking about the five minutes I'm talking about uh, a hand breaking on a head or a helmet or anything of that nature a shoulder coming out in a you know the wrestling part of it but I mean at the end of the day he certainly uh, he raised a few eyebrows but uh, he's been doing that with his play this year as well uh, I think he's really really blossoming this year and I mean, good on Nikolai Ehlers. We've talked about him a lot. Uh, he had what would have been uh, probably a pretty frustrating summer. Uh, I know he said all the right things, and you could see the disappointment if you were in that room with Ehlers and Line at the podium after the exit meeting. You saw the disappointment. Uh, again, you appreciated that Ehlers tried to play through the injury. We knew he, he, his skating ability was obviously impacted. He felt horrible about not being able to contribute in that game six. He felt terrible about going a second playoff uh, without scoring a goal. But you know what he did? He did something about it. He went home, watched every one of his shifts, put in the necessary work, uh, You know, dealt with that brief period of maybe trade rumors that were happening around the draft. And none of that bothered him. He just showed up ready for camp and he just exploded out of a cannon to start the year and uh, I think it's pretty obvious. I mean, he's had some nice flashes during his career, but he has never played better, and, and that's a testament uh, to him and obviously for being put in position, but for him to take his game to that next level. And I mean, my favorite part of that whole interview was, uh, you know, first Blake Wheeler saying, uh, you know, he's going to places he didn't go before, and then Ehlers kind of the acknowledgement and then Joe and laughing about the fact that in junior he didn't have to go to those areas, nor did he, so... Uh, he scored two points a game not having to do that so why why bother yeah but imagine where this team would be right now without Nick Ehlers' 13 goals I mean he's in the short list for MVP Uh, you know Mark Shifley has hit his 14th so he surpassed him in the goal scoring category but Ehlers has been such an important player uh, to the Winnipeg Jets and your article that sort of you know, I, I want to say broke the news, but he, he was so thoughtful and three-dimensional. I, it doesn't feel like a breaking news in a tweet form, but you were talking about how Ehlers watched every single shift. And in life, so many times, you know, it's one thing to identify a habit or a need, and it's another to put in the work and put in the time and then come out of that with like a new set of behaviors, a new set of actions. Because I mean, every incentive, I think, to go in the middle of the ice is uh, is one more hit, one more series of whacks. And, you know, I guess we're watching him figure out how to find room for himself. But that's a meaningful transformation. And, you know, yet one more young star finding another level in Winnipeg. It's the sort of thing that makes you think if this team could... If its defense wasn't 
stitched together, as I like to say, <laughs> by fragments of waiver wire. There's something here uh, with the with these young with this young talent and and a quick reload or an ability to upgrade the defense at any point beyond game hustlers who are just fighting for every inch, but into that next echelon of defender. Um, th- this is still a team that you can project to stay near the top of the standings. I still, I'm still a little bit surprised that they're as high in the standings as they are right here and now. And I'm wondering, uh, what do you make of that? How do you, how do you look at the Winnipeg Jets on paper and see a third place in the Western Conference uh, squad? Yeah, for sure, Murat. And yeah, you're right. I mean, Ehlers knew that he, you know. As electrifying as his East-West game could be, he knew he needed to get that North-South going a little bit more. And uh, I mean, that leads right into your question. I mean, I think that what you and I had talked about before the season when we were kind of getting ready to do our predictions, I mean, for me, the Jets, even without Bufflin, if they were going to be a playoff team, and I predicted they would be, it would be on the back of that high-end, high-skilled core group taking that next step together. Uh, obviously things have, there've been some twists and turns that I don't think uh, many people would have expected and probably being that high in the standings is certainly one of them. And, you know, don't, let's not kid ourselves. I had the Jets uh, pegged as a scratch and claw wild card team, not battling for top spot in the central, but it was going to have to be on the backs of Blake Wheeler, Mark Shifley, Patrick Line, Kyle Connor, Nikolai Ehlers, uh, those guys taking another step I mean we've seen big time steps but taking another step forward uh, specifically to line I mean obviously his point production is up considerably even though his goals are a little bit you know I would I you don't want to say flat because he's still you know still on pace to have a solid season we saw that deke against Detroit on Tuesday night he can still do a few (laughs) things yeah and and that's that's again that's not a knock I mean uh, having nine goals through 29 games uh, he is on pace to you know easily eclipse 20 goals, which is a solid season for most. But, uh, I mean, this is a guy that had 18 in a month. So, I mean, last year that month happened to be November. So uh, when you look at his numbers and he has nine uh, through, you know, early December, some people might have their eyebrows raised there too. But, I mean, his play is, again, night and day. I mean, uh, he's playing great. He's got 29 points, pushing Mark Schleifle for the team lead. Uh, I mean, after I think... I would say it's fair to say that Kyle Connor had a bit of a slow start in terms of his offensive game, uh, had not been as productive as we've been used to seeing. And lo and behold, through 31 games, he's got 27 points. He's almost a point a game player. So, <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Like it's, I don't think he's played his best yet. I think he's been playing better in recent times, uh, already in double digits for goals. I mean, uh, I mean, starting to find chemistry, we know we had it with Mark Shifley, but starting to find that chemistry with Line on that right side. I mean, the evolution of uh, Jack Rozovic, you know, taking another step, even though uh, we're expecting him to be back with the uh, the checking line today, if you will, and Matthew Perot getting a little bit of a bump. Uh, I think a deser- deserved bump as well. I think he's really started to elevate with uh, in recent times with those youngsters. And, I mean, on the back end, we expected Josh Morrissey to, to clearly be leading the brigade on the back end. And uh, his point production is solid. And I think that Josh is playing better. I, I mean, I don't think he was playing poorly by any stretch of the imagination in the early going. But because the level that he established was at such an elite height, uh I do think that, I mean, I think it took him some time, A, to get used to a new partner, and B, 
to get used to those heavy-duty extra minutes that he was playing with Dustin Bufflin not around. Uh, the flip side of that coin is that Neil Pionk has been excellent on the back end, uh, doing you know maybe a little bit more than some expected, even though he was expected to come in and probably play a top-four role if given that opportunity. But, I mean, for me, the, the biggest surprise, and I mean, I said this earlier this week, I mean, the biggest surprise when it comes to Morrissey and Pionk is that because of the composition on the back end, they've been able to do their business on separate pairings, uh, basically out of necessity. Uh, I mean, when we expected them probably to be the shutdown unit and play together. So, I mean, what do you think about Perot? I know he's uh, he's a guy who's been used as those human jumper cables a little bit in the past, and he had a bit of a slower start this year. But to me, he seems to be finding an, another level. I mean, what do you see when it comes to Matthew Perot and, and his impact in the Jets? Uh, you know, sticking around the 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 fight for first place in the central. Yeah, I, I like the the you know the jumper cables analogy from Matthew Perot, and he's a player that just does so many things in every corner of the ice that wins that he, the things he does win extra battles, and he's got terrific hand eye. He knocks down passes. He runs direct routes when he's trying to forecheck and close down defenders. He seems to anticipate very well where passes are going to go. You always kind of see him rolling around on the ice because he's diving to make plays and, you know, he's not a bigger guy as well. So uh, there's a a bit of a scramble and a franticness to his game, especially on the defensive side of the puck, which I think is very tough for opponents to deal with sometimes. And it seems to consistently lead to more pucks, more possession for the Winnipeg Jets. One extra play kept in at the offensive blue line. Uh, one extra play that gets out of Winnipeg zone. And so he doesn't have the speed or the finishing of a Kyle Connor, for example. But if you give me those two guys at the Winnipeg Jets blue line and ask who's going to get the puck out, uh, I, I put that in Matthew Perot's hands uh, any day of the week. It's interesting, though. Because perception changes on this guy. He was a perennial 40-something point-a-game player. Sorry, 40-something point-per-season player when he was playing 60, 70 games. You know, two-thirds of a point per game. That's good offense. But because he's been on that fourth line, I think we forget that there are hands to his game. And he's, he's not a fast player his finishing isn't elite, but he has smart hands. And he, when he gets to the right areas, does good things. His minutes have been weighed down for a while. You give him a few more minutes, uh, can he still finish? And the, the appearance seems to be, yes, he can. And the pass that he made on his backhand to, I believe it was Kyle Connor, who made another backhand pass to Mark Shifley for just a gorgeous goal the other night in Winnipeg, shows that this guy can still uh, put together some, some high-end offensive plays. And it's good that this that one more piece of that veteran core for Winnipeg can still produce and, and still drive play in that way. I think we forget about what he can do an awful lot of the time. Yeah, I think the one thing for me, I, I think that it even with the the diminished minutes, I think that Matthew needed a little bit of extra time uh, to get going in terms of his skating. I mean, as you mentioned, I, I you know he's not a burner, but because of his anticipation and his tenacity, he's able to you know really be effective on the forecheck, and he always had a great set of hands and was skilled. But for me, he didn't have his legs moving the same way that we had been used to seeing early in the year. And I think that uh, he really found a little bit of an extra gear in playing with Cop and Lowry. And now when he's bumped back into the top six, now you see him moving... Uh, a little bit better, I think that that's really been start of some of a key or one big part of the keys to his 
uh, not rejuvenation, but definitely he's been more productive of late. And, and, and of course, some of that has to do with the minutes bump. And the other part of Matthew Perot is that uh, he used to be a, you know, real, you know, pretty steady performer when it comes to power play points. And he can still be that as a distributor, but that second unit A is not getting a lot of time lately and B hasn't really been as productive. So, I mean, only one of his 12 points uh, is on the power play. So that also tells you, tells you his even strength production uh, still at a really high level. And sometimes, I mean, we talked about this at various other points. I mean, just there was so much speed on that wheeler roslevic Ehlers line that uh, you sort of spread the speed out a little bit more when you, when you make that little minute change. Uh, and it's led to at least some initial success and I again I don't I don't think this is a long-term solution I think Jack will be back uh you know on that line with Wheeler in due time but I think it's a smart play uh especially like in the short term so uh and having said that Murad I mean we touched on the fourth line I mean how about the how about the newly constructed fourth line uh, what have you seen from them and uh is it a step in the right direction for a Jets team who had not been getting much more than five minutes a night on a lot of nights from that fourth unit yeah absolutely what I, what i've seen i would say first and foremost is uh is the fourth line on the ice a little bit more often and, and then and then second um in the offensive zone a little bit more often as well uh i, I don't think these guys are going to take over games for the winnipeg jets but nick shore is a is a responsible and intelligent defensive player who seems to be able to do just enough in, in making the one extra play with possession on the way up the ice that keeps uh, it's not just a chip off the glass and out and Paul Murray said that which sort of primes it in the back of my mind maybe I'm, I'm just seeing it because I heard it but in the couple of, uh, of games and shifts that we've seen from him so far I, I think that that's a genuine piece of, of Nick Shore's game where, where he succeeds and like at the beginning of the season, the off season, I believe the plan for this team was always to run responsible veterans, and you know, you know, a Gustafson type character was a luxury or a bonus or something a bit unexpected that they had to lean on given some of the injuries. Uh, now you might see the fourth line take a little bit more of a shape that Paul Maurice believes in and and can trust and uh, has the enough confidence in to to prop up in some of the uh, the other lines as well. Uh, how about yourself? Uh, it's so many different things can happen with this fourth line, including Gustafson of the juniors and, and all those other things. But what's your take? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I've certainly seen some growth. I mean, I'm a, you know, a David Gustafson, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to use booster in the sense of, uh, of cheering because we're, you know, obviously we're neutral parties, but uh, I would say I would Gustafson backer in terms of what I believe he can bring to the Jets uh, over time. I think that he has the skill set and ability to uh, be a you know Im, you know eventually be an impact player at the NHL level. I think uh, a lot of parts of his game are ready to be a fourth liner right now. Uh, but given his age and given the responsibilities that fourth line has been given, uh, I'm still consistent in my belief that a the Jets uh, should allow him to join Team Sweden in the. Uh, coming days or in a week or whatever the time frame may be but uh, to give him an opportunity to play a starring role on uh, what figures to be a, a pretty competitive team uh, at the world junior where he can you know play more in that 18 to 20 minute a game role uh, and then decide uh, how it's going a in terms of health with the Jets and B uh, how some of the newcomers or the guys coming back into the lineup are faring 
uh, before deciding if they should sp- send him back to his club team in Sweden or not. But uh, I think Nick Shore has come in and done uh, exactly what they were expecting him to do. Uh, you know, very, you know, kind of a similar veteran type player to Mark Letestu. I mean, I think they would play a similar type of game, but uh, Shore, you know, maybe a little quicker, but, uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, he hasn't been used on the penalty kill, but he has been in the past. Uh, I mean, he's had a couple of good scoring chances. I mean, this is a guy that was a, a AHL point producer, and I don't think he's going to become one uh, here in the NHL right now with the Jets. But as a complimentary player, I think he's done a lot of, uh, you know, smart things uh, with and without the puck. Uh, I think Gabriel Bork uh, has come in and started to look like the player who had points in three games uh, before he left the lineup with that injury uh, that kept him out of 14 other games. Uh, he brings a bit of a physical presence on that fourth line. Uh, it hasn't been that offensive in, in saying that uh, scores a beauty goal, uh, you know, bar down basically. So uh, I'll be very curious to see, how, you know, Logan Shaw, I think has been a good placeholder. He's a good depth player. Uh, when Mason Appleton comes back from the Manitoba Moose, uh, I'm curious to see what the fourth line looks like when you uh, insert a little bit more, I would say. I think Mason probably has a, a little bit more speed and a little bit more of the top-end sort of skill uh, into that fourth line role, I think. Uh, I mean, going into the year, I thought that Mason had an opportunity to, to have the potential to play uh, with Cop and Lowry, and I still see that as a role that one day he might be able we might grow into uh, and might that might you know might not be as much sooner than later as we once thought but uh, I do think that there is a place for him to start on the fourth line and then kind of grow from there I, I definitely think that Appleton's the kind of guy uh, that could be a you know a, a double digit goal producer in a checking role and uh, the one other thing that we I uh, haven't seen as often quite yet but that he did at the USHL level and probably to a degree at the NCAA level, even though I didn't see him play at Michigan State, is that uh, he, he brings a little bit of bite to his game, which uh, obviously the Jets lost some of that in Brandon Tanev leaving. Uh, I think that he could, once he gets a little bit more comfortable and you know his footing is a little bit more solidified at the NHL level, uh, he can add that to the uh, to the skill set package as well, and and that will make him uh, an even more effective player in in a third or fourth line role. Uh, not a guy that is you know running around, but a guy that can be physical on the forecheck and uh, you know get under the occasional opponent's uh, you know get under the skin of an occasional opponent. I believe so. Uh, the fourth line is going to have more jam in in an awful hurry. Then the next chapter of that begins tonight, where you are in Detroit against the Red Wings, and Winnipeg did well to you know not play the arrogant card on Tuesday, and uh, where it was able to come away with a win. They've got to do it again. I want to take a minute to talk about Max Boltman in, in, of The Athletic in Detroit and Prashant the Air as well, because Max wrote a, a terrific Eric Comrie feature with words from, from Hellebuck, from past coaches, from Adam Francilia, um, really about an extremely popular former Winnipeg uh, Jet and Manitoba Moose, who Paul Maurice called one of the top five guys ever. Uh, which is a, a real testament to his character. And then Prashant as well. Um, he is, I don't know if it's fair to call him an up-and-comer anymore. He's just an excellent analytics writer uh, who's got some skills with coding as well. And some of the visuals that he puts together with with passing routes all the way up the ice, uh, with different shot maps and models and things like that, uh, he's somebody to absolutely pay attention to, in my opinion. They've got a podcast 
at The Athletic called Wings for Breakfast. So if you're looking for uh, a little bit more info on Eric Comrie's latest digs and or uh, you want to get up to speed on, on sort of one of the new strong analytics voices with Prashanth, Wings for Breakfast is a definite worthwhile listen. Um, I, I just had to get that out there because I, I'm such a big fan of both of those gentlemen. Uh, next up in Detroit, we've got the part two of this back-to-back. And Ken, just in between these games... I, I had a piece go up about about Blake Wheeler, and we're going to talk a lot more about that in the, in the second half of the pod here. But I just wanted to mention it real quick before uh, before we before we cut for this break. And it was one of the more open and honest and revealing interviews that that I've had with anyone ever. Definitely with the captain himself, and as somebody who's seen his career unfold, what what do you see in his transformation or his development, just as as a human being? Yeah, Blake is, uh, you know, as we've talked about before, he's he's an emotional guy and uh, wears his heart on his sleeve. He has tremendous passion, A, for the game, and uh, B, just an absolute willingness to win and uh, a high intensity that, uh, I mean, can occasionally, I mean, some folks might misinterpret it, I think, in terms of maybe some reaction when it comes to interviews. But uh, Blake loves the game and... He's the kind of guy who is always very open and honest about where things are at, uh, A, with the team, and B, with himself. I mean, uh, so many people talking about, you know, the over 30 player, uh, what about the contract, uh, things of that nature. But, I mean, Blake doesn't let those things bother him. But, I mean, as he pointed out to you, I mean, he feels he's in the back nine of his career. I mean, is he going to play beyond this five-year deal? That's probably too early to tell, but... Uh, he sees his window to win the Stanley Cup definitely inside that five-year window uh, or five-year span of time that uh, his contract will run. And he wants to do absolutely everything in his power uh, in order to achieve that goal. I mean, that is the sole driver uh, of his NHL existence these days. Obviously, he appreciates being a highly paid uh, athlete, uh, he has been a productive player. He's been a point-of-game player since moving to center, but as he said on numerous occasions, he could care less about the points as long as he finally gets the opportunity to win. So uh, I, I do appreciate the, the vulnerability. I mean, that's something that Blake uh, you know doesn't show as often maybe as he maybe once did, but uh, I, I love the fact that he was willing to go to uh, you know a few places that uh, he, he generally likes to keep to himself. And, um, you know, you're my teammate, but uh, I appreciate the fact that uh, he was willing to go to some of those places. And, uh, you know, kudos to you for uh, getting him to open up uh, in, in those regards as well. well uh, it was so easy in a way uh, when it came to the writing, the conversation. I mean, I mean, I, I'm just so impressed with when, when he says those things that you described about winning and how and what drives him and it's he says it's such a cliche that though that's his words but when he says them you sort of believe it and there's such a sincerity there that's earned he's been through some trials now at this point in his career and last season was so disappointing for him uh and for that reason i really wanted readers and listeners not just to sort of take it from me or take it from the q a format of the uh of the article that's up at the athletic right now but to be able to hear him describe his own thought process because he's so self-aware uh, imagine a guy who's just finished back-to-back 91-point seasons and all-star game appearances talk about being on the back nine. And 
uh, just how limited his window to win is. But there's one thing that drives him, just like you said. We're going to share that with listeners on the exclusive uh, subscribers-only edition of the Boarding Pass. If you want to hear that extended version of this podcast where we go behind the scenes and share our thoughts and share Blake Wheeler's quotes and the interview from, with the captain himself, make sure you subscribe to The Athletic. You can hear all of that on theathletic.com. If you go to theathletic.com slash theboardingpass, the name of this show, theathletic.com slash theboardingpass, that's 40% off your subscription. So make sure that if you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple or any of those other businesses, uh, make sure to subscribe and get the full version right there. For Ken Weeb, I'm Rod Atesh, and this is The Boarding Pass. Boarding Pass.